Um, I think it, it's going to energize this franchise to keep going. And if Brady. No! <laughs> Please, no! So, hello, welcome to all four quarters. Your one stop shop for news, views, and overreactions to all things NFL. As you will probably hear, we are a little bit worse for wear following on from the Super Bowl, that Superb L that we watched last night. Maybe it was Superb at the moment. So, hey, we got. Maroon 5 of Super Bowls. <laughs> <laughs> So we got Connor here, we got Ronan. Hello. And we have Sean. Yes, special guest, Pat's hungover fan. <laughs> Sean is in a very interesting spot right now where he was uh, feeling right as rain about two hours ago and now the hangover has yeah, hit him. After the fry up, that's when it kicked in. It's uh, very cruel, very cruel. Yeah, we are sitting in the house at the moment and uh, drinking smoothies and trying to regather what pieces we have left of our, our, of our livelihood. So how about yourself, Ronan? Any crack? I know, it's pretty quiet. Obviously, just watched uh, the greatest Super Bowl of all time with some of the greatest punting performances <laughs> of all time. As a punting aficionado, I'm, uh, I'm very pleased with what on, went on last night. Uh, apparently, the rest of the world may not agree with that assessment, though. Yeah, no, fair enough. So, <laughs> I suppose we'll kick off with that. Uh, as we all know, at this point, uh, the Patriots have won another one. Uh, six now? Number six. Number yeah. six. So, he's now six and three in Super Bowls yeah. is... Uh, is our Tommy. So, uh, obviously, a very interesting, like, very good for themselves. They've now tied the Pittsburgh Steelers for the number of rings, uh, bizarrely with a single quarterback at the helm this time. Uh, good performance overall. It was an interesting game, though, because I think, like, obviously, I imagine Vegas took a bath on, the, uh, on, on everyone who bet the under on this one. It was a defensive masterclass especially given this is a year where we've seen the explosion of offense and we've seen a 54 to 51 game and everything. It's a bit of a weird one to see the result be a 13 to 3 lowest scoring Super Bowl of all time, right? I mean, absolutely. It was um well, you could see it coming, I suppose, in the sense that Belichick is the defensive guru and the Rams had previously during the season occasionally run into strong defenses and this Pats offense is held together by pieces of string at this point um so it was always possible but yeah very unusual that the, especially given the teams there and the pats and the rams had themselves a number of 40 and 50 point games this season to end up with just 16 in total is really unexpected yeah it was very uh, as we'll as we'll probably see over the next couple of days it's a game where a lot of people are going to Say, oh, I don't know if I like that. It was it was low scoring. It wasn't that interesting. But personally, I quite enjoyed. It was very good tactically. It was very kind of coach on coach, defensive scheme excellence surrounded. Like, like if you were to if you were to say to the Rams uh, before the game, say, okay, you'll hold the New England Patriots to three points in the first half. Like they would have bitten your arm off to be able to get a performance like that, but that offense just wasn't able to get going. Yeah, like I think it was a situation where each team has kind of had a weird development over the season. I think the Patriots, that's kind of more an explicit choice. They're like, well, we're moving towards almost like an old school team, full back, two backs, all kind of situations like that, kind of looking like something from the 1980s. Whereas with the Rams, it seems to not have been deliberate, it just seems to be a situation where. 
for whatever reason, Todd Gurley kind of getting worn down, Cooper Cup getting injured, McVeigh's like uh, kind of default system where he was kind of iterating off the same formation, getting caught out or mm. found out by the rest of the league. It just ended up being a, a, a kind of really different Super Bowl than what you would have expected this to be if you said this was the game in like week eight. Basically similar to that like Chiefs game. It's just this season has been kind of strange because it's kind of seen a complete turnaround kind of halfway through the season up till basically we'll consider the Chiefs Rams game to be the turning point that Monday night football game like the biggest offensive explosion the hot takes were coming that the NFL had changed offense was going to rule forever and yet the team who wins it at the end is a team who like played fullbacks on over nearly 50% (laughs) of their plays their defense shut them down and obviously the Rams had a like the Rams were good on defense so obviously they had like come around their defense which had been pretty crap as you can know if you can win 50 points that probably doesn't mean your defensive did well like they came around they became good Wade Phillips found something out there with the talent to get them going but in the end you know the Patriots made a gamble they said can Jared Goff beat our secondary, which obviously is very improved this year? And I think in the end, what they proved, what they showed, is that if you put Jared Goff against Bill Belichick and Brian Flores' defense, uh, he is found out, particularly in a stadium which was more like a home stadium for the Pats uh, than a neutral venue. Yeah, I was going to say, there was a lot more Pats fans in the stadium. Uh, I think the, the we've seen reports come out where they said they're nowhere 1,250 to 1, which is obviously a bit uh, extreme. I think I think the actual numbers we saw were about 5 to 1, maybe, Pats to... Uh, that. Is, is that probably... Is, is that a reflection of this is a team that obviously they've been to nine Super Bowls, they're quite used to being here this far, that like, that they almost, to an extent, and I suppose this is part of why there wasn't as much hype maybe around this, that they kind of almost expect to be there, so their fans almost plan for a, we're going to make a trip to a conference championship <laughs> or a or a thing. like is, is, is those it, early flights. Is, and, is, uh, is, is, is it literally <laughs> a spot where like it's just kind of, it's, it, it's assumed and they have the the experience to plan to go for these kind of trips in the end that allows them to have such a travelling fan base. I mean, I wonder if it's not the the inverse of that as regards to the Rams, that the Rams don't have a fan base yet because they're newly established in this city that isn't... It isn't a footballing city. I mean, it's it many different sports dominate in LA. Uh, and they have to share that fan base now with a, another usurper team coming in and... Yeah, I, I think there just isn't that... Whereas the Pats are an established... This franchise, this current iteration of this franchise is 17 years now that they've been successful. And they've probably picked up a large number of fans uh, along the way. Yeah. I mean, it is also geographically Atlanta slightly closer to Boston than <laughs> yeah. Los Angeles yeah. is as well. And like, I think it shows like Aaron Donald's proclamation that LA is now a football town. It, it seems pretty hollow based on what we saw. Mm. Like, you know, do, do you think there's not enough rich people in LA? Like, I thought that would be a problem. <laughs> do, you, like. do you reckon there's people in LA who are like, oh man, we're in, I'm looking forward, and they just like turned up to the Coliseum? <laughs> They're just so well informed. Yeah, no, it it was it was a very unusual game in that sense, and of course, like the entire tenure of the game was was rather unusual. Obviously, the what like you know because the game was so defensive and stuff like that. Like if you were an LA fan, and you're probably more likely to be a newer fan or yeah. a fair weather fan, whatever you want to describe it. Whereas the Pats fans have seen every type of game, every type of Super Bowl. They've seen games where they grounded out, games where they won in like a offensive explosion. So. 
they kept like e- like even there was more Pats fans, but they were also more willing to keep up with the crowd noise and support their team, even though they weren't playing great offense. They were like, "Well, that's fine. We're playing great defense." Yeah, like in Bill, we trust basically. So I think, yeah, yeah. like, uh, yeah, I mean, the Rams. You, you have know, to think the, about that working class. You know, uh, <laughs> you know, you gotta be tough in Boston. Yeah, the, the Rams' identity <laughs> is fast offense, and if that's not there, then yeah, they don't Hollywood. have that. Film. Yeah, exactly. They have. They have the big names who do the big name things, but they don't necessarily have the grinded out type of uh, performers, which the fans then, if they don't get that, they they get downhearted. They don't Um, have the the appreciation of a player like Matthew Slater. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It is interesting, actually, this was the biggest winning margin in Pat's Super Bowl history. The first time they've won by more than one score. Mm. Well, it couldn't be a bigger contrast to what happened last year. Like it's like <laughs> last year the defense basically was like didn't exist on all, either side. To be fair, and then this year it's the complete opposite. So what do you reckon? Do you do you reckon that this whole trend analysis that's happening in the NFL is a year behind this? So like, so obviously the Super Bowl last year was a high scoring offensive machine, and then the discussion this year was offense, 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 and people moving to chase that. Do you think that's actually a delayed kind of chase mechanism where actually we see today defense, 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 and it means that next year we're going to see people chasing defensive approaches rather than offensive approaches, given that's where you see the success coming in the Super Bowl from? Well, I think like the thing that differentiates Bill Belichick, well, many things, but one of his greatest things is understanding the trends that are happening in the league and reacting to those and zigging when everyone else is zagging. Like... I think on the offensive side in particular that he's shown the flexibility he's willing to go. You know, at a time where everyone is creating defenses designed to stop these high-powered offenses, you know, very high on safeties and, and, and cornerbacks, a lot of line, like rangy linebackers perhaps who wouldn't have the same kind of physical profile. Mm. Like he decided, well, there's obviously a weakness up the middle there for a lot of teams, so we're just going to basically run right over you. We're going to get Devlin, our fullback, and we're going to get Sony Michelle. Like they you've drafted Sony Michelle in the first round. At the time, people were like, "That doesn't seem like a running back in the first round." Well, it doesn't seem like a New England thing. So they yeah. just don't draft in the first round. They don't exactly. Really them. Like, so they draft him in the first round, and for most of the season, like for the first like four games, people were like, "What well, isn't really doing? What was the point here?" But by the end of the season, Sony Michelle is racking up. It's basically winning them the game. Got the game-winning touchdown. Yeah. Uh, he had some ridiculous stats, I believe, in the playoffs. Three hundred and thirty-six yards and six touchdowns over the postseason. So was it three games for them? So that's, yeah. That's a, that's a remarkable performance. So like a rangy like a rangy linebacker is great and he's great in coverage, but can he tackle as well? That's maybe what they're willing to mm-hmm. their sacrifice right now when they're evaluating players. And Bill Belichick saw that. And to be fair, he wasn't the only one who saw that weakness. Like what we saw with teams who had late surges. If you think about Seattle, if you think about Dallas, they were teams who were smash mouth teams, run it down the gut, like mm-hmm. you know, control the time of possession. And they also had success. Now they didn't have the same kind of talent level or like and, and the same kind of like coaching talent as Bill Belichick but I think when you look at like the teams you might have expected to make the playoffs initially they were very different from them ended up actually yeah. being there and I think that like like there's definitely going to be room for these super explosive teams obviously as a KC fan you certainly hope so yeah. um but I think you know like the whole point about Bill Belichick is that in the salary cap era if you want to be competitive year after year after year and you're not just going to be reliant on like a you know like a window where your QB is on a rookie rookie contract then you need to be the master of adaption and Bill Belichick has shown that not just on a season by season basis but on a game by game basis yeah, in like these a, playoffs like every game plan was different and they had like similarities in terms of controlling time possession but they were different in how they approached it yeah like we heard the quote that came out from I think it was a week or two ago about um 
He said, uh, don't tell me what someone can't do on defense. Tell me what they can do and I'll find a way to utilize the positive rather than focus on what they can't do. Kind of kind of build yeah. around the strengths. I, I mean, this is the thing. The, the long-term trends in terms of passing offense increasing is they're pretty clear. The offenses are getting harder to stop. Um, I think what's happened is that there's been, in terms of the media, an overhype of now suddenly these, these option offenses are unstoppable that suddenly we went from it's difficult to stop to them being unstoppable because you had your 43 40 and your 54 51 or whatever but defenses are good there are very good coaches in the nfl and some of them like balachik are defensive geniuses and will mm. eventually find a way around it just sometimes may take half a season for teams to figure out exactly how to beat these teams and especially once you think about something like super bowl where you have two weeks prep time as opposed to the usual one and for someone like Belichick, that is an eternity to plan <laughs> against a team, a, an offense that is in many ways quite a shallow in terms of its complexity as the Rams offense was. That you, Once you figured out the Rams offense, that was it. There was very little they could do to counter that yeah. and give Belichick and his team two weeks to figure that out. And it's, you know. But there is, there, there is also an argument to be made that while it was an excellent defensive performance, Jared Goff, like we discussed this towards the back end of the season that they were starting to cool a little bit and they weren't doing all that well. His last eight games, he's thrown seven touchdowns. He's had eight interceptions. Wow. This is not a passing game that has been on point. And as we mentioned, Todd Gurley was injured as well. Like While this was an excellent job by the defense, this is... N- I'm, I'm going to say this to Sean, I think, because I know, I know Ronan is... Uh, <laughs> he, he, he very vocally dislikes Jared Goff. To start with. Um, has, has, is it a spot where Jared Goff's failings have been a little bit kind of painted over by this offense and by Sean McVay and people have a very unrealistic interpret or expectation of what they're actually going to get? Like, if when you think about it and you separate it out, if you say... Here's your quarterback in the Super Bowl. Over the last game, he's thrown eight interceptions and seven touchdowns. you got to go in expecting the offense can't be winning you that game and you have to take a different approach, right? Yeah, I, I think it's undoubtable that this is a system. He's a system quarterback and the system is McVay talking into his ear mm. until 15 seconds before every snap. And he doesn't have the innovativeness or the natural talent of, of Mahomes or a Brady um, or whatever. So I think it is to, you know, I think once the, the offense, Rams offense was beginning to be figured out, and I think we saw that probably from the beginning, it was the Bears game, I think was the first time I, I saw them anyway, that someone seemed to have them completely figured out. Um, I think it was a, a matter of time that, that that would cause a decrease in, in quality and touchdowns. Yeah. And the such like, but I think, I mean, I think I would be, it's a little bit harsh on Goff, I think. I don't think that he's completely useless and will never function outside of a McVeigh run offense i think he's 24 and still very much learning the game mm-hmm. uh, and the more he's exposed to these scenarios the better he'll get people forget that brady was not the world's best quarterback in his first two or three seasons with the mm. pats uh, it was once he settled into the rhythm and began being confident of the decision making ca- capacities that he had within the confines of that system that he suddenly realized that he was an amazing decision maker mm-hmm. maybe Goff will never get to that level but he may once he gets confident, become more willing to take risks and audible and and you know shake things up a bit when when the defense yeah. is is stifling them. No, I think that, like there's two uh, like two things I would just say. Like firstly, the economic realities of having a franchise quarterback are very different than when Brady was around. Like at that point, you know, rookies were still getting like 
paid as if they were starters, like straight out of the box. Yeah. So I think the the value of having a rookie contract for your quarterback is huge now. And of course, because he's a former overall pick, he's playing pretty well. They're getting to the playoffs. At some point, they're going to have to make a big decision about is this the guy we want to basically give like you know a tenth of our cap to. I think just the other mention, I think you mentioned we were talking before the podcast about it was interesting that the Patriots went very zone heavy on defense. Yeah. Because um, they've played a lot of man during the actual season. It's like 65, 70%. Of when the you think about what a quarterback zone. needs to do to beat those type of systems, like beating a man system, you basically need to, like, you just need to, like, this is the matchup that makes sense. And then you need to be really accurate. You need to be able to make the right throw into a tight window. And I think Jared Goff is actually pretty good at that. He's really talented, very accurate, and good for that. But when you're playing a zone, own defense you need to understand the game you need to understand who is in which zone and play for the gaps in that yeah. zone you need to understand the game of football and it just seemed that against one of the best like against a, t- a defense as well coached as this one he was found out and he has been found out again and again throughout the season against these type of defenses so i think that has to be a major worry because you can have all the talent in the world but you need to understand the game of football and as i've argued again and again like you know maybe i'm being biased because he didn't know where the sun rose but that <laughs> yeah. is a bit of an issue like he just didn't seem that yeah. bright of a chap and like you don't have to be the brightest in the world but it is certainly a worry for someone like him and no, like of course. they're now i think like this is his third year so they have one more year on his rookie and then they have the fifth year option which they'll probably exercise um, but there's a big decision coming from this team coming down the down the road, and of course they're going to have lots of decisions this off season with all of the uh, defensive no, of pieces course, that they yeah. picked up on one year rentals. One of the things as well that I think is probably going to be overlooked in the in the rearview mirror of this game will be uh, obviously we discussed how good the defenses were. Special teams played a massive part in this game, and obviously we'll come to you for your punt <laughs> forecast. Uh, you know, com- coming off mizzen head south by southwest two forty six, <laughs> uh, but like this was this was a game where we saw. To be honest, uh, uh, one of the Pats players, possibly more deserving of the MVP than uh, than the player who got it, Edelman, given the coverage that he was getting on all these punts and as well as his defensive performances. But like this is a game where we saw excellent punting, we saw excellent coverage from both teams. This was this was like bizarrely, this was a game that was executed well on every facet apart from offense really yeah. like like i think yeah it, it's definitely worth pointing out on special teams that both teams were really excellent now not in a flashy here's a fake punt kind of way i think we were all trying every every single punt we're yeah. like oh this will be the fake punt this will be the fake punt but yeah. i think both i think both coaches realized that with the margins this tight that the percentage play was to just punt it and not mm-hmm. try and do things and if you were going to go for it for it down, just go with your best thing because they were prepared. And I think the special teams coaches in both teams are so good they could you'd be scared to get accurate. But like, yeah, obviously, you know, Johnny Hecker. The joke was that him and the 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 the, the Saints punter basically they're really good, but they weren't used at all. Well, Johnny Hecker got nine punts in this game for an average of forty six point three, including I believe the longest punt in Super Bowl history from his own end zone, uh, which to be fair had a bit of luck because it kind of trickled along. Yeah. Um, but no, he was he was really well, and like on the on like Allen on the New England side, he was he was pretty good as well. I think he was better, um, not in terms of like just pure puntage, pure strength, but in his ability to continuously drop that ball within the 10 and with Matthew Slater who we mentioned earlier doing like an amazing job of basically being right there each time 
dotting it down in the ten. And like I, I think like the biggest compliment you can get as like a like someone whose job is to, to follow the punts is that like Matthew Slater got absolutely clattered on one punt return and that kind of shows how much they respected or annoyed <laughs> with him ever, like dotting it down like three or four times at that point already. Like they just like basically chop blocked him. So I think like when you look at these two teams, you're looking at teams who are were extremely well prepared. Obviously, John Fossil is is is, is very good on the Rams side. Bones, yeah, Bones on the on the on the Rams side. But yeah, like I think we expect the Patriots to be good in every phase of football. And I think it's just like yeah, obviously special teams isn't the sexiest thing. But the simple matter of the factor is that the, the simple fact of the matter is that the teams who end up winning and winning consistently are those who take care of every aspect of the game. We saw that the teams who failed to make the Super Bowl this year, like they had amazing strengths, but at the end of the day, they allowed their weaknesses to undermine them and prevent them from getting there, especially in the AFC. Yeah, 100%. Uh, so obviously, I suppose, 13-3. to 3, It's a win. It's not... like So This it's a huge step for the legacy of Brady and all that kind of stuff to say he's now got his sixth ring, but... Like, to an extent, do you think it's almost takes away from it that people are going to look at it and go thirteen to three, like similar to let's be honest, like the narratives that surrounds the likes of like Ben Roethlisberger that his defense has carried him in those games, or like even in the early Pats wins that you know he was getting MVPs when realistically it should have been the defensive players who were getting him. It's not exactly while it's huge for him to get a sixth win. It's not exactly the kind of icing on the cake moment you would be expecting when you look at it and go. He won his sixth, but like he threw one touchdown and didn't have the best game offensively. Do you think? Obviously, it helps his thing to have one six, but this isn't really a, a a strong showing from the goat. Well, I mean, if we're going to be talking about the narrative in inverted commas, <laughs> he should have retired after the Atlanta game. Simple as. I mean, mm. you cannot top leading yeah. a team from from twenty five points down to to win a Super Bowl. Win the fifth one, which was the kind of the personal QB record. Um, I mean, the narrative is is let. I mean, I, if, if this is the last one, then it, it, it's an odd last one to have. Yes, but then you know Manning's second Super Bowl was was kind of weird yeah, it as was well. it was awful. Um, but I think he says he can do another four years, and I mean, bet against the, us. The, the, <laughs> I think Belichick, underdogs. I think Belichick is going to be motivated to with Mahomes and the Chiefs coming through. It's a challenge. It's a rival that they haven't had since the Colts were in their peak. Um, I think it, it's going to energize this franchise to keep going. And if Brady, no, <laughs> please no. And if Brady's body could hold together, then they could. They will probably won't. If he stays around for their four years, which he almost certainly will not, I can't imagine them making more than maybe one to two of Super Bowls that of, in those years mm-hmm. because I think the Chiefs are going to get better and better and within two or three years are going to be dominant. But, um, yeah, the narrative is already broken because Tom didn't walk out when the, the credits were rolling at the end um, of the yeah. uh, Super Bowl 51. And to be fair, there's probably no team that cares less about narratives than <laughs> yeah. the Patriots. They're like, well, well except as fuel for their you underdog see, you narrative. See, you, see, you, you say that, but we've heard about how important Tom Brady's rushing stats are. <laughs> and Tom Brady in this game was two carries for minus two yards. Wow. That is unacceptable. Liability. Yeah. <laughs> Cut him down. <laughs> To, like, yeah, he's lucky that they don't count mm. stats from the postseason, which is one of the weird things about the NFL. Yeah. I mean, if we are going to be talking about records and stuff, the, the one big record that is left to this team is that Belichick is about 45 wins short of being the winningest coach in NFL history, yeah. which is about 
three, four, four years, three yeah. or four seasons if they have really good years. So uh, that could be the last target to aim for mm. for this for this team. Well, so we're talking kind of about those kind of ideas of legacy and everything. Uh, there's obviously chats surrounding uh, Rob Gronkowski. He had a good game, six catches, eighty-seven yards, uh, very productive. Again when they started the postseason they were kind of using him as a blocker or a decoy type thing and then against the Chiefs and again in this game we see him kind of coming back in as a receiver there's a lot of chats whirling about him potentially leaving in this offseason so is this a fun do you reckon this is the fun farewell to him or do you think you're going to get him back for they're going to say look we're going to keep the band together for another season or two and try and knock another one out I mean I expect and this is requiring him to to give rational thought to what he's a very <laughs> emotional man I, I would say emotional is an interesting <laughs> term uh, he should take the money that's being offered him in Hollywood or in wrestling the WWE, or whatever, yeah. whatever. Um, his body will hold up a lot longer for more money under those circumstances I we were watching before um, on while well, we were waiting for Connor to, to get out of bed uh, we <laughs> We were watching the YouTube NFL Network at a video at an interview with Gronk in the immediate aftermath of the Super Bowl, and they asked him explicitly, "Was this the end?" And he he said he needed he said he needed to go away and think about it, yes. which is the thing you say when you want to retire. You I, retire, but you don't want to make no, that moment. There was no one it, to, yeah. He was enjoying the moment, but there didn't seem to be much enthusiasm about the road ahead. Um, and I would not be at all surprised if he decides that it is not in his interest anymore. Yeah. He was more enthusiastic than Andrew Whitworth, who apparently said, well, we're oh, all going to die in yeah. the end. So. <laughs> the, one tr- the one fact about life is that we're all going to die or something yeah. like that. Uh, I think talking about legacy, it's probably worth like mentioning again, Julian Edelman had a great game, 10 receptions, 141 yards. Obviously, was kind of destroying Ruby. Oh, Coleman. sorry, I thought you were going to say, obviously, he doped up to his eyeballs. <laughs> yeah, he, was also, he also definitely had that feeling of like late 80s early 90s Maradona when he was off his head in cocaine like Edelman obviously performance enhancing drugs presumably but obviously he, he missed the first four games of PD so this isn't for Maradona cocaine wasn't you know, yeah. <laughs> it was you know like it was it was really really good like obviously he was injured most of the season and then just in the playoffs he seems to have just been put back together in no way suspiciously um, and yeah he just kind of destroyed Nikel Roby Coleman who obviously uh, was talking shit and stuff like that and kind of suitably found out um, and you know, bet like some of the safeties and stuff as well uh, and I think it's like obviously now there's talk within the Patriot circles about oh maybe Julian Edelman should be a future Hall of Famer I think he's a uh, little bit yeah. further away from now his post-season uh, stats are very impressive but uh, I think he's second probably now, needs a couple behind more behind Jerry Rice for receiving yards yeah. probably I mean. needs a couple more decent regular seasons before that's really a realistic thing yeah. and obviously just a uh, like the bit, like obviously there was like this this game. I suppose for people who like exciting stuff wasn't great. So was, a lot of people end up just fighting about the MVP award, and it should have been Stefan Gilmore, who obviously did have an amazing game and got probably the most significant uh, defensive play with his with his pick of Goff, which to be honest was just thrown to him more than because yeah. <laughs> well, Goff under true because he was under pressure, um, and he had a number of like breakups and he was all over the place and he's been brilliant all season. He was the number one cornerback corner in the PFF and he had a really good season but like you know it like to be a defense if you're going to win 
the MVP is a defender. You need the defense to really dominate the game uh, in a kind of fashion that, like, at least it was kind of dominant in a certain sense. But you, they, need, you, you need to essentially yeah. be a high scoring defense, yeah, really, yeah, you know? Dram- dramatically dominant, yeah, yeah pick yeah. sixes in the social. And like, and like to be fair, like I know New England only scored thirteen points, but they probably could have had a lot more. They dominated the yards, both, game, both dominated teams time were possession, things on the field yeah. for the sake of safety. To and, an and I think you know, like, yeah, you have to go back to like the Seattle. Super Bowl or to the Denver Super Bowl where they beat Carolina to have like where the defense was the obvious reason they were winning. Yeah. Where I think New England probably could have won this game a lot more comfortably. I don't know. They just they they like the, the Faustian bargain for the New England Patriots and us allowing them to be in the Super Bowl is that they at least make it close. Uh, <laughs> no and this year we'll they just about like it is more the touchdown, but this year we'll just about accept it since it was you know relatively up to the last minute. Yeah. No. Um, <laughs> but yeah. So thirty to three, another win for the Patriots. Uh, happy days. <laughs> a, a bad loss for the Rams and not one that. As I said, as they're, as they're trying to win over hearts and minds of football in LA, this isn't the type of performance that's really going to help convert people to the sport. We enjoyed it, but I think some yeah. people will not have enjoyed it. But, uh, this is more like French art house than Hollywood, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, it is. Um, All in black and white. If you do not suffer, then it is not a good game of football. So, of course, we'll be coming back and following up on, obviously, the, the fallout from this, all the other issues around the league. We'll come back to the you know the MVP being given out to Pat Mahomes and all that kind of stuff in the next time. But we thought we'd just do you a quick quick chat about the game. And, uh, yeah, so, so uh, if you have any questions, email them in and all that kind of stuff. We'll get to them on the next pod. Uh so that's bye for myself, bye from Sean. Goodbye. Bye from Ronan. Bye. We're going to go and be hungover and die for a while. <laughs> uh, best of luck, lads. Catch you then.